Have a seat. Uh, good morning to you. Oh, we can do a little better. Good morning. Oh, it makes me feel so warm. Uh, if you're watching online, it's good to see you guys. Thank you for joining us. We're talking today about a miracle in your hand. Everybody hold your hand up. You got a miracle right there. Look at it. Everybody say, wow. It's right there. Uh, I got a little church business we need to do. Your Uncle Steve needs a little help. Does your Uncle Steve need help all the time? Well, yeah, of course I do. Uh, the last uh, five or six weeks, I and others have talked to you. Maybe you've seen a letter. Maybe you got an email. The board has been thinking for about a year. If we could work next year to pay our building debt down or off. I think all of you that come to church here, enjoy the parking, the children's space, the, everything we have. That's been a long drawn out process and we have paid, oh, maybe three and a half million dollars down and we owe about 3.2. And the Lord has blessed us so much, we don't even take up offerings. And I preach about once a year on giving. And um, last year, the board practically made double payments every month just to get this debt out of the way. And I'm very, very grateful. But some of you, did you get a survey coming in? Hold your surveys up if you got them. And some of you walked down the aisle. If you didn't get one, hold your hand up. We're going to take, I did mine this morning, took me two minutes. And the board wants your feedback. So if you need one, hold your hand up. Uh, and we're just going to ask some questions. If this is uh, one per person, so don't fill it out for 10 people, please. Uh, age 18 and up. And it is anonymous. If you don't like the person beside you, then write their name down on yours and write squirrely answers. That will work too. So here, are you ready? Can you help us out? Everybody got a pen? We can do this pretty quick. Uh, are you a member at Church of the Savior or a regular attender? In other words, you've not gone through the classes yet. Check. All you got to do is check, put an X, put it down there. Number two, how many years have you been coming to be part of our church family? Check, circle. Uh, third question is including yourself. How many people live in your house? Fourth, uh, what is your approximate age group? First service, my wife was back there, and I had three people look over her shoulders because I knew she would circle 39 or 23 or something like that. But this helps give us some kind of feel for who's coming to our church. So do that. Number five, what is your occupational status? And you've got quite a number of choices there. Movie star is not one of them. Six, uh, what's your estimated annual household income? If you're uncomfortable doing that, it's okay, but it's one per family. 
Number seven, are you active in a small group or class? You serve. Number eight, have you heard anybody talk about this deal of thinking about paying this debt off next year? You got a letter, you got an email, you heard me talking about it. Number nine, I have an understanding of what this looks like, at least on the front end. Number 10, uh, we're paying right now about $35,000 a month, which is a pretty good, pretty good chunk of change. And, uh, that mortgage payment might prevent us from doing ministry of some sort. Do you think so? Eleven, if we didn't have that mortgage payment, it'd be really cool if we could invest that in kids or the community or more unreached people group or prayer or training interns. And what's your thoughts? Number 12, if you think this is a good deal, probably sometime in February, we would work to do that. And if you think that's a bad idea or I don't understand it, you can write your comments down there and all these will be, will be looked at. 14, Instead of waiting, because we thought, the board thought, well, let's just wait till five years or let's just pay it off at the same pace or 10 years. But we're doing it now. Would that be a good thing? Could we save a bunch if we just did this now? Uh, 15, if you don't agree, what are your comments? Am I going too fast? 16, I think I would support some. And 17, these are my final thoughts. Now, when we get done, uh, there are some brethren with baskets. So this is anonymous. So fold it in half. I've done mine, but I haven't done it yet. Turn it in, fold it in half, and just put it in one of the baskets as we leave. And that'll give the board a decision Yes, we're going to do it, or no, we're not going to do it, or we got some stuff to do before we do it. Okay, how many are still in the room? Are you still in the room? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have two other little things since we're doing family church stuff today. I just want to mention to you, uh, Tuesday is an election day. And your little pastor urges people to vote They don't have this chance in Vietnam. They don't have this chance in Iran. They don't have this chance in a lot of places, but you have it. And you're a believer. And you should vote. And so I would ask you to vote. Vote your values, and I pray your values are biblical values. Uh, Is that an amen? Somebody give me an amen? Okay. And then I want to talk about the yellow card. We do this. About this time every year, 
Everybody pull that yellow card out of your bulletin. Pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. This is what we've done for 30 years. 30 years, everybody got it? Got your yellow card out. We don't take up offerings at Church of the Savior. If you are new or you're a guest, please don't even worry or think about this. This is for our church family. So our church family, Mission Sunday next week, and during the last song, 30 years, we stand up, we come down, there's a table right here, and people will put their yellow card upside down in the baskets, and it looks like from the last service, looks like 10 or 12 people did it at the last service. They just I said, I want to do it now. Now look at the card, please. <clears throat> I have pastors that ask me in the city, you guys don't take up an offering. How do you do that? I said, well, we have a yellow card. And the yellow card, ask our people, first box, if you believe in tithing, it's a biblical thing, check that box. And Sue and I will estimate what our tithe will be for next year, and we write that down. Now, no one will ever be called on, sent a letter to, checked on about this between you and the Lord. But our board will use it to help set the budget for next year. Does that make sense? That second box on your card says, I'm not quite there, but I want to get started. This is what I estimate. And the third box, which is probably my favorite, we're going to do a faith promise Everyone say faith promise is how we raise money for missions. And we're asking the Lord, this is not a pledge, but say over and above what I already give. I'm going to ask the Lord to put extra in my hands. And as he does, I'm going to give that to missions through my local church. Are you with me? And this year we'll give about $500,000 to missions. It's pretty exciting. Now notice at the bottom. It says, I feel God calling me to vocational ministry. Or I want to go on a short-term mission trip. Or I want to pray for one of our prayer partners. And I want to select one and pray for them. So we'll turn those in next Sunday. Everybody got it? Everybody say, got it? Got it. Okay, good. Now let's look at our, at our study. Open your Bibles to Kings, and I believe it is First Kings. Is that true? Yep. We're talking about the miracle in your hand. First Kings 17, starting at verse number 8. Everybody got it? You got it? Hello, you got it? Thank you. Thank you. Then the word of the Lord, verse 8, came to Elijah, saying... Go to Zarephath, please say Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. This is up near the Lebanon border. Stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So Elijah got up and he went to Zarephath and he came to the gate of the city and behold, there was a widow there. She was gathering sticks and he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. They have had a drought for about three years. So as she was going to get it, 
he called to her and said, okay, please bring me, let me change my order. Let me get a small piece of bread and bring it to me in your hand. And she spun on her heels and this little sister put her Jewish hands on her Jewish hips and she might have pointed at this big old rugged rugged boy and had had a bath in a while. And she says, excuse me, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Everyone say no bread. Only a handful of flour in the bowl, a little oil in the jar, and I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in to my house, prepare for me and my son a last meal, and I'm going to die like a dog. And Elijah said, well, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a little... Biscuit, a little piece of cornbread, a croissant, a little bread cake from it first. Everyone say first. And bring it out to me and afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, God of all Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor the jar of oil be empty until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So he went, so she went and did as the word of Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. And the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken through Elijah. As a brand new Christian, 51 years ago, the guy mentoring me had me memorize quite a number of verses. This was one of them. It's helped me every day of my life, then till now. Say it with me, please. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Notice it didn't say my boss, my dad. My husband, my wife, my neighbors, the lottery, my retirement package, according to the riches in glory of Christ Jesus, we can claim that verse because he still provides very well. Can someone say amen? He provides well. Doesn't mean you don't have shortages, but he's going to be there for you. Now, here's another premise. I've always felt like if I knew where God wanted me, that was three-fourths the battle. If he wanted me in that neighborhood, if he wanted me with that family, if he wanted me in that church, if he wanted me doing that ministry... That's the starting place. If I wasn't sure, I was shaky. And so Elijah was told, now look at the map. Okay, Elijah had a challenge with 900 false prophets. You see where that little dip on the left, on the left part where there looks like a little horn? That's the area of Mount Carmel. 
And then the queen of Israel, Jezebel, put a contract out on him, and he ran for his life, and he was afraid, and he got all the way over to the brook Kareth. Do you see where the brook Kareth is? And he took a nap under a kind of a broom tree, juniper tree kind of deal, and he turned in his ministerial credentials. He gave an angel his iPad back. He tore up his Asbury Seminary education. He said, I'm not watching Billy Graham anymore. I'm done with these crazy people. I am the only one left. God, and you're not good or you're not fair. And he was exhausted. By the way, you get exhausted, you can get down if you're not careful. After you've had a great victory, you can get down if you're not careful. So the Lord helped him. The Lord would send him a raven, and the raven would come and bring a bag of Chick-fil-A. And it would be enough to sustain him. And then the Lord said, okay, bud, you got to leave next assignment. And I want you to walk. If you can calculate, see what Zarephath is at the top? Uh, what do you guess that is? 80 miles? That's where there's fighting going on today. With the Israeli Defense Forces and Hezbollah. So he's up there, Zarephath. He comes to the city gate. And uh, he bumps into this woman who is his assignment. And he is her assignment. And she is focused on what's not happening. And I get it. There's been a famine. People are dying. And I want to encourage you when you're in a tough spot and you don't have enough to get by, God will talk to you about your little. Now, your little pastor has had a, a lot of little. I've been in little churches Little ministry assignments, little jobs. Um, I've had uh, three times we've had great financial pressure. My wife and I had. I quit a job and I should not have quit a job. I worked for a radio station. We had a bunch of debt because I thought at the time debt was good. Debt is bad. We had hospital bills. When my wife married me, she didn't tell me she hadn't paid for her university bill. She didn't tell me that. I didn't ask. We built a new house. I had a new car. I was trying to start a business on the side. I was doing three or four ministries. And then I quit my job like the idiot I was at the time. And I thought, boy, I'm so sharp. A lot of people would want to hire me. For six months, we like to starved. A guy I played football with hired me to hang gutters with him, and I didn't pay very much. And I would fall off the roof about every other week. We got behind on our house payment. We came home at night from the youth group winter time and our lights were off <laughs> my wife would say why is our lights off honey I don't know why maybe the power company wanted money 
I would park my new automobile two blocks away at night. Do you know why? Because Mr. GMAC wanted it. And if I lost it, I couldn't go work these three jobs I was doing to pay GMAC back. So we were in a really tough spot. When I heard this message, we're going to talk about, and I would stay up worrying about money. So why is God talking to us about our lack and our little? Do you know why? One, he he communicates all the time to his children. He just does. He's a good father. He's good all the time. And when we are in a crisis, that's a good time to get our attention. So he had my full attention. And when I'm in a crisis, it is a test. It's not a bad test, but God's going to use it to see where I am. He knows, well, you say, well, Steve, you don't even know the crisis I'm in today. You don't even know what pressure I've got. It's relational, it's health, it's money, it's job, I need a new job. Well, in some ways, it doesn't really matter because he's talking to you. I don't know, but he knows. And here's one of the things he's asking Steve, will you trust me for this? Now, the two things I say in my prayer time more than anything, I say it a lot. Lord, I love you today more than I've ever loved you. The second thing I say a lot, uh, I don't really like this particular thing, and I don't know how it's going to be fixed, and I don't have any resources, and I'm completely flummoxed, but I still trust you, and I'm never going to stop trusting you. I'm even going to scooch, everyone say scooch. I'm going to scooch my hand up higher into your hand because I'm not letting go. Because you're all, you're, you're all that I have. So when the Lord sees us in this crisis and we look at our little, he looks at our little and we think there's no way and we think it's not going to happen. And the devil's telling us all that stuff because we focus on what's not working, but he sees it differently. He looks at your need. He looks at where you are and he goes, I got a huge future for this guy. Huge future. I got a big plan for that lady. Well, why? Because he's a big God. That's why. He's big. And we can trust him. And there's a lesson here for the little lady who's got this much flour and this much oil that if you can be faithful with this much flour... And this much oil, he knows you will be faithful with more. See, that's the principle of the kingdom. If you're faithful with a little bit, he will entrust you with more. But if you're not, why would he give you more? He's not 
He's not. So what he's doing is that seed, the little flower, the little oil is a seed of his provision. And you have that much. You have that much. And that much, that much is enough. And today, how many of you guys are under age 25? Hold your hand up. You're 25 and younger. Okay, if you're 25 and younger, what we talk about today could change your life and family forever. If you're older than 25, it's time to change. It's time to change. So he looks down and sees what he originally gave you, the seed that's in your hand, which is your future. Your future is right there. Someone asked me one time, they gave me an acorn and said, what do you see? What do you see, Steve? I see an acorn. No, he said, what do you see? I go, I see an acorn. I said, no, what do you see? What, do I see an oak tree? Yes. What else do you see? A forest of oak trees? Yes. What else do you see? Houses being built. What else do you see? Churches being built. What else do you see? People working and making money for their family. So you have these seeds in your hand, just like this young guy, whether he's 14, 15, could have been 16, David. This is how it all blew up for him. This champion, this nine foot six guy that challenged the military people of Israel and everyone said, I'm not fighting this guy. 40 days. He went down in the valley challenging the best fighters to come down. Nobody would go. David is there doing a food drop. And he says, who's that guy? Well, he's challenging the forces of Israel and nobody will take him on. No, nobody will take him on. He said, I'll take him on. And he said, I've killed bears before. I've killed lions before. And this guy who worships pagan gods, who has insulted our God, he will be just like them. I will cut his head off with his own sword. So he goes running down the hill. He stops in that little dried up riverbed. He scoops up five smooth stones and he puts one of them in a sling and they start like this. And then gradually, it's not like the slingshots we had. It's long and you have to hold it with two fingers. And so it gets going like this and it gets going about as fast as a bush hog's blades. And at the, at the right moment, he releases two fingers and that rock comes out, hits the giant in the head and down he goes. And David's life is never the same. And here we see Moses. Moses making excuses why he can't serve God. I don't have enough. I've got all this lack. My days are over. I'm 80 years of age. And then... 
The Lord says, what's in your hand? Well, what do you mean? What's in my, what's in your hand? I've got a shepherd's staff. He said, that's all I need. In your hand, it's a shepherd's staff. Let me hold the other end and we'll divide the Red Sea. We'll turn the Nile into blood. We'll defeat the enemies of Israel. And I want to ask you what's in your hand. You've got opportunities and talents right here. It's right in your hand. And God will, if you will release it, God can take what you've been given. And that will be where the miracles will come from. That's how God works. And then the Lord Jesus Christ there in the Galilee 5,000 men, another 20, 25,000 women and children, three days, nobody's eating anything, and Jesus tests the boys. He says, why don't you feed them something? What? You feed them. We can't feed them. And then he says, what do you have? Philip said, there's a kid here. It's got some dried fish and some small biscuits. Give it to me. Let me break it. And everyone got fed and the disciples learned a lesson. So I want to ask you, what's in your hand? God wants to take you places. God wants to use you. God wants to make you a world changer, but you got to look. It's, it's right there. What's in your hand? And there's a miracle in your hand. God can use you as a champion. And here, here's a principle that we all have to understand. It's called the principle of the first. Would you say that please? The first, not the second, the first. What, what's that? Learning to honor the Lord is where it's at. The last book of the Old Testament is a little book called what? Malachi. And the whole theme is honor. And he starts off the book saying, you know, you guys are my chosen people, but you don't honor me. And if the most wicked son will still honor his father, where's my honor? And if a servant will honor his master, where's my honor? And so he talks about a number of things. So we give honor by giving respect and giving the first. And the story of Samuel. About five or six years ago, a group of us got to go to Shiloh. Oh my goodness. Where the tabernacle was. We had Israeli guys that had a lot of weapons on their shoulders. We had to go in a reinforced armored bus. But the Shiloh experience was incredible because that's where the tabernacle was. And a young mother that couldn't have a child, when God answered her prayer, and the Lord gave her this little boy called Samuel, meaning God hears, and said, I'm going to let the priest, Eli, raise him. And one night the Lord came to Samuel And said, I'm going to bring destruction on the house of Eli because his sons are priests, but they are wicked, wicked men. They take advantage of people and I'm tired of it and I'm going to take them out. But he said, Samuel, 
Here's your lesson. I will always honor people who honor me. And that little boy became the most honored man of his generation. Now, when you honor the Lord, it shows that you understand and that you believe and you trust him. Now, when it comes to giving, I follow this verse. Say it with me, please. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your produce. What? The second, the third, the fourth, what? The what? Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. So when we started tithing and we were so far behind financially, We knelt and repented. My wife and I was 26 at our old dirty little couch. And we said, Lord, we will repent from this day forth. We will always honor you. And I would say, honey, when you pay the bills, don't pay the house payment. Don't pay the power payment. Don't pay the water company. I'd rather have no water. You pay the Lord first. And he will bless our 90%. Now the principle of the first goes back to what they called first fruits. Everyone say first fruits. That was one of seven festivals that when the harvest was brought in, don't you take it home. You take the first portion to the tabernacle or the temple. Because I want to teach you I can take care of you. Even in the midst of a drought. And then the firstborn. The the child that opens the womb, there's a grace there. And I want to show you, give that child back to me because I can protect your family. I can bless your family. And then the first day of the week, Jewish folk would honor the Lord and they would, they use the Sabbath, which was the last day of the week. Jesus came up out of the tomb on the first day of the week and the church started worshiping on the first day of the week. And then to me, the first part of the day is the best part of the day. I have 24 hours. And if I don't give him the best couple hours at the first of the day, it is not going to happen. And maybe you've never heard of this. Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn from the dead, what does that mean? Well, because he got up out of the grave. How many are his children? Hold your hand up. Okay. That means when you die, you will come up out of the grave too. He's the first fruit of that. So this whole principle is, I want to keep him first all my life. This verse says, seek first the kingdom of God. And if I do that, all these things that you need will be added to you. If you keep him first. Are you with me? Are you tracking? Tracking? Okay. So Elijah said to her outside the city gate. Okay. I know you're in a tough place. Here's what we got to do. You make your fire. Make the bread. Give me a little bread cake first. Then feed you. 
and your son second. And it's a picture of the tithe, which comes from Malachi 3. I've had some pastors tell me, oh, the tithe is is in the law. I go, well, it was before the law, 400 years. Well, it's not in the New Testament. Well, Jesus reaffirmed the tithe. And the Jews have prospered all these centuries because they believe in it. It is the first 10% of your income. So if you make $20,000, how much is your tithe? How much? Two. If you make $50,000, how much is your tithe? 5000 It's the same principle for everybody. Now, here's what else the scripture says. The tithe is holy. Everyone say holy, which means it's different. That 10% is different than my 90%. That 10% belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to me. I don't want to ever, ever touch it. This verse says, a tithe, take a tithe of everything from the land, from grain, soil, fruit, or from the trees, because it belongs to the Lord, because it is holy. And if we use or touch what belongs to him, I think a penalty comes with it. And he says this in this passage to his people that knew better. You have robbed me. How have you robbed me? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. The difference between a tithe is 10% and offering is anything above it. So my wife, once a month, she writes a tithe check to Church of the Savior. Some of you guys get on, give online. What I give for Israel, what I give to missions, what I give to help people, it's an offering. It's above. Now, when you go to Israel, you see all this stuff. You see Jericho. Jericho is the first city. God told Moses, you tell all four million of my people, when the city falls... It's an incredibly wealthy city, old city at the time, oldest city on earth. Don't you take anything. Not a silver coin, not a gold bar. Don't take any clothing, even if you see some really good shoes from Kohl's. Don't you take them. Don't you take them. Because... All of you who have been slaves are now going to have farms and ranches and wells and vineyards and orchards. But you got to wait. And one guy couldn't wait six months. His name is Achan. He stole a bunch of stuff. He hid it in his tent. Very next battle, Israel goes out to a city that's one-twentieth the size of Jericho. And the warriors from that city come out. And I think it's 32 men, innocent men die. And Israel falls apart. Oh, Lord, what happened? Why did we get beat by such a small group? And the Lord said, "Um, I didn't go with you. And I'm not going with you anymore. Until you do what I told you to do. Deal with the thievery. Now, 
your pastors live long enough, is the tithe is never about money. Never, never, never about money. Well, what, what is it about? Here's a reason for it. It's a way that God teaches his people, whether they're in England or Iraq, to fear him, to respect him. Say this with me, please, from Deuteronomy. Say it. Set aside a tithe, the tenth of all that your field produces each year, so that you may learn to the Lord your God always. So God tells us to bring the whole tithe to the local storehouse, which I can't see any other interpretation than the local church, whether that's in Vietnam or Topeka or Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, is how the Lord feeds the local church, and helps them. It is God's plan for the body of Christ everywhere. And he says in verse 10 that there may be what? Food in my house. Let me give you a missions lesson. Are you ready? So, if American missionaries go places like Ethiopia, Go places like Cambodia, go places like Peru, and they help and they give money, which is good. They drill wells, they build churches, but they never teach the Ethiopians or Ecuadorians to honor the Lord with the tithe. You know what happens? You end up with poor, dependent Christians. Because I've seen them when I went to Ethiopia. They would say, well, you guys built us a church and the church roof is leaking. When are you guys going to come back and fix your church? (laughs) The local people have to understand God is not regional. And God will work anywhere. And God will raise you up no matter how far down you go. And he will open the windows of heaven. So my mentor started going to Ethiopia. He went 50 times and he loved that church and saw revival. And he tried to get the Ethiopians to raise up missionaries to reach unreached people groups. And the pastors went, what? Us? Send missionaries? We can't do that. You Americans are smart and wealthy. And Howard says, no, no, no. You are smart. And you are wealthy. But Howard had to teach them. God will bless Ethiopia. As much as he will bless Kentucky. And so as he kept going back. And training these pastors. They raised Ethiopian money. To send Ethiopian missionaries. To 60 Ethiopian unreached people groups without one American dollar. And here's what happened to the economy of Ethiopia. As the church prospered, the economy prospered. It's called the gospel lift. Is this making sense to you? You have to figure this out yourself. You see, the tithe is a test 
This is the only place in Scripture, the only place, the only place, the only place. I thought you're not supposed to test God. Well, you're not supposed to be foolish and be a knucklehead and tell him no, 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 no. He's saying this is such a big deal. I'm going to take my big thousand foot finger and I'm going to draw a line in the sand for a thousand miles and say, if you believe me, do you believe me? Yes, I believe you. Then he says, step over the line. Test me now in this. And when the people talk to me and my wife about this, 41 years ago, I was 28. He said, do it for a year. And if you can't tell a difference in a year, then we'll take our Bibles and we'll go outside and we'll burn them in the parking lot because God is a liar. If God's word is not true. So I've taught this around the world. I've taught it here. You know why Church of the Savior has been prosperous? Prayer, evangelism, missions, and because you guys believe this. So I tell people, you test God for one year. And you know what happened? We couldn't tell a big difference in a year. We kept doing it. We worked like dogs. But at the end of three years... We paid off all of our debts. We were debt free. And I went, I believe. It took me three years to see it. I went, I will never go back to touching God's stuff. Now, here's the demons that control Christian checkbooks. You you know what they are? And maybe you're so, so broke, you couldn't, you couldn't pay for a payday. Doesn't matter where you are. But these two fear. And this woman had fear. She said, now you got to know I only got this much. And you can see the ribs on my boy, right? You can see how slender my wrists are, right? You know you've been in a three-year famine, right? And you're asking me to take what little I got, make a cake, and give it to you? Yes, that's what the Lord's telling me to tell you. The other demon is greed. Because money is our God. You may stand and worship and lift your hands, but money is your God. Because you won't let go. What we, the fear we want to cultivate is not of being broke, not of having lack. It's we want to fear the Lord. Someone say amen. We want to respect him more than we respect anybody. And we want to do what he asks because when the fear of the Lord sets in, everything gets brighter and you realize, I see now. He does know what he's talking about. And the goal is, I'm never going to go back to being afraid that I won't have enough because he's taking care of me. David said, I've never seen the righteous. I've never seen the righteous. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his kids begging on the street corner. Never seen it, never will. So the tithe is a way that has taught my wife and I, we don't have to be afraid. He's taking care of us and he's looked after us and he's helped helped us. And the promise in Matthew 3.10 is 
Steve, if you will trust me, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, I will start opening the windows over your life of heaven. And we've seen that. So you got a couple of choices here. Well, what, what are the choices? Well, you can take your little bit of flour and you can make your last cake. Then you can get in a fetal position and take your last breath. Or you can take your little and say, God, I trust you. Now I want to give it to you and I want to watch you work. Because God wants to work. He wants your grandkids to know the stories. That he's faithful and true. Now, there's a parallel story. Did you do you know the parallel story? In the next book, in Second Kings, Elisha is in a similar setting with a widow. And this widow's in a tougher place because she's so far in debt to the landlord. The landlord has, ever, has already sent the thug saying, uh, by the way, your six-year-old and your eight-year-old boy are going to be my slaves now. So in 30 days, if you don't catch up, your boys are my slaves. And she cries to help. Elisha says, you send those two boys throughout the neighborhood and you get all the jars and jugs you possibly can. How much you have? I got this much oil. Well, you go get all these empty jars. Well, Steve, what do the jars represent? Are you ready? Your checkbook. Your job. Your opportunities, your, your paycheck, your talents. We have talents most of us have never even tapped yet. The revelation God wants to give you, your time, you have 24 hours every day. Your time is a gift. And your ability to work hard. Uh, Mrs. Pearson and I, we have worked hard all of our marriage and all of our life. Many, many years I worked three jobs, plus did ministry. Not afraid to work. If you're lazy, uh, you're not going to get very far with God. You got to be a working woman, a working man. Here's another thing. Stay out of debt. Just stay out of your, out of debt. Debt will put a hole in your jar and you'll waste your resources. Three different, two different occasions we got in debt. I had to work hard to get them paid off, paid every one of them. Don't want to ever get in debt. Do not use a credit card unless you pay it off. It's a thief. It'll get you. It will get you. You can work your way through college without thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. I worked my way through seminary and didn't owe a dollar when my classmates owed $125,000. I didn't want that 
shackle hanging onto my leg. The jars are the tangible that point to the intangible. Which is your potential. Get as many as you can. Starting today, your life could be very different in two years, one year, five years. Let me tell you what else the jars point to. They are visible. That lady saw all those jars sitting on her table. But what she couldn't see was the miracle. The invisible part. And maybe you can't see your life changing right now, but God sees it. And God wants it. And God is willing to help you get there. I love this verse from Hebrews. Faith is the evidence of what you can't see. Worship team, would you guys come up, please? You honor the Lord and let him fill your jars. Let him develop that potential that's inside you. And if you do that, you will always have enough. There may be times things are short, but a lot of the times you will have more than enough that you can bless other people if you trust the Lord and obey him. Now, this is the most important thing I'll say today. Are you ready? Verse 15 says she went and did. Not that she went and prayed, not she went and thought, not she went and fed. said one day she just got up and she made the cake. And then it says she did it according to the word of the Lord. Now this yellow card that we Use. If you're a guest, please don't worry about it. But this is something our church family has done for years. And to me, it's a jar. It's just a container. It's just a piece of paper. But it's a container that can change your life. I remember over the years, we've had a number of business people, very gifted people in our church, whose businesses were failing. And they listened as I talked about this, and they were skeptics. And a number of them, it took a couple of years for them to do buy-in, but when they said, okay, I'm willing to trust God for one year. I'm going to put it on Him. I'm going to honor the Lord with the tithe. And the miracle thing is, I watched those business people get out of debt, expand their business, and become very, very prosperous people all because they honored the Lord. They honored the Lord. And this is the last thing I'll say. If you touched, if you used what belongs to the Lord, like Sue and I did, And you know today it it was wrong. I suggest you repent because it's sin like every other sin. 
What do you do with sin? You just repent. So Sue and I knelt at our couch and we said, Lord, we cannot pay you back what we owe you. It's just too much. But we repent for touching what didn't belong to us. And from now on, every dollar that comes into us will give you a a tenth. And we've never gone back for 41 years because it's been a blessing. Now, we had people turn their cards in. I didn't ask them to, but they did because they said, we're in, we're convinced. But next week at the end of the service, hundreds of people will get up and come down and put their card there. But did you get the Lord's table as you came in? How many have it? Do you have the Lord's table? You're welcome to the Lord's table. If you're going to walk with him and love him and honor him, the Lord's table is like the tithe. It's a serious thing. Because it means you're in, you believe, you are God's daughter, God's son, and I will honor him. And when I sin and mess up, I will get up and ask for forgiveness and I'll start walking again with the Lord. So before we do this, let me pray. Father, speak to your sons and daughters. We want to honor you, not just with our finances, but our marriage, the way we work, the way we talk, everything. And for people watching online or people here that have never given their heart to Christ, I pray they would just pray with me a simple, powerful prayer saying, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior today. Change me from the inside out and make me your child. Give me a home in heaven and I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, tell somebody before you go to bed tonight. If you'll open the end that has the bread, and if you'll put the bread in your hand. Lord, thank you for including us. Thank you that you're the one that heals the brokenhearted and the broken body. We take, Lord, your body as a sign of your healing in Jesus' name. Take and eat. And likewise, the other end. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin, and we all need forgiveness. This is the Father's sacrifice of his own Son. Take and drink. The altar is open as we finish in worship. Honor the Lord all your life. Walk with him as close as you can. Would you all stand as we sing this final song? As Steve said, the altar is open and our prayer team is available. If some of you all have prayer needs or some desperate situations that you have going on in your life, please let us join with you in prayer.
with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. We're the
Jesus, we lift you high. We say be magnified. I pray that our lives would be laid down in every way. With our finances, with our relationships. We pray that our lives would be an altar of worship and praise unto you, Lord. We love you with every part of who we are. Can we sing this last hymn out together as a congregation? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. today. When the altar call was given, I started to see people running forward and I was standing over here and then I just had this picture in my mind of the Lord Jesus sending angels in response and I saw these kind of financial angels, but then the Lord spoke to me and said, this is not just about finances. I saw family issues and this was what I was hearing the Lord say in my spirit the tithe applies to the family too is that if you will give the first of your heart to the Lord I saw that there were people who had train wrecks in their family and it looks impossible but if you will give the first of your heart to the Lord he will restore the 90% that's been missing that's what I saw thank you Lord So if you have prayer needs, please come forward. We would be honored to pray for you. Thank you all so much for joining us today. If you all could turn in the little paper that we filled out, don't forget to do that. And don't forget your beautiful children. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.